Section two of Rock Crystal by Adelbert Stifter. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Section two. On the other side of the neck there lies a valley by far more beautiful and fertile than that of Geshite. At its entrance there lies a country town of considerable size, named Millsdorf, which has several industrial enterprises, and carries on almost urban trade and business its inhabitants are much more well-to-do than those of Geshite, and although only three hours away which for these labour-loving mountaineers used to great distances is only a bagatelle yet manners and customs are so different in the two valleys and even their external appearance is so unlike that one might suppose a great number of miles lay between this is of common occurrence in the mountains and due not only to the more or less favoured position of the valleys but also to the spirit of the natives who by reason of their differing occupations are inclined this way or that but in this they all agree that they adhere to established customs and the usages of their forefathers lightly bear the absence of great traffic cling to their native valley with an extraordinary love in fact can hardly live out of it months ay a whole year may pass without a native of geshite setting foot into the valley beyond and visiting the town of millsdorf the same is true of the people of millsdorf although they have more intercourse with the country beyond and hence live in less seclusion than the villagers of geshite a road which might be called a high road leads through the length of their valley and many a traveller passes through it without suspecting in the least that to the north of him on the other side of the snow mountain towering high above him there is another valley with many scattered houses and the village with its pointed church tower among the trades of the village which supply the necessities of the valley is that of the shoemaker indispensable indeed to man excepting in his most primitive condition but the natives are so high raised above that condition that they stand in need of very good and durable footgear for the mountains the shoemaker is the only one of his trade in the valley with one inconsiderable exception his house stands on the public square of geshite where most of the larger dwellings are situated and its gray walls white window frames and green shutters face the four linden trees on the ground floor are the workshop the workmen's room a larger and a smaller sitting-room the shop and then the kitchen and pantry the first story or more properly the attic space contains the upper room which is also the best room in it there stand two beds of state beautifully polished clothes presses there is a china closet with dishes a table with inlaid work upholstered easy chairs a strong box for the savings furthermore there hang on the walls pictures of saints two handsome watches being prizes won in shooting matches and finally there are some rifles both for target firing and hunting with all the necessary paraphernalia carefully hung up in a special case with a glass door added to the shoemaker's house there is a smaller house built exactly like it and though separated from it by an arched gateway 
belonging to it like part of a whole it has only one large room with some closets its purpose is to serve the owner of the larger house as habitation for the remainder of his days after having left the property to his son or successor there to dwell with his wife until both are dead and the little house stands empty again and is ready for another occupant to the rear of the shoemaker's house are stable and barn for every dweller in the valley carries on farming along with his regular occupation and makes a good living from it behind these buildings finally is the garden which is lacking to none of the better houses of Gescheit, and from which the villagers obtain their vegetables their fruit and the flowers necessary for festive occasions and as quite commonly in the mountains apiculture is pursued also in the gardens of Gescheit. the small exception alluded to and the only competitor of the shoemaker is a man of the same trade old tobias who is not a real rival though because he only cobbles and is kept quite busy with that nor would he ever think of competing with the gentleman shoemaker of the township especially as the latter frequently provides him gratuitously with leather cuttings sole strips and the like in summer-time old tobias sits under a clump of elder bushes at the end of the village and works away all about him are shoes and lace boots all of them however gray muddy and torn there are no high boots because these are not worn in the village and its surroundings only two personages own such boots the priest and the schoolteacher both of whom have their new work and repairing done by the shoemaker in winter old tobias sits in his cot behind the elder bushes and has it comfortably warm because wood is not dear in Gescheit. before entering into possession of his house the shoemaker had been a chamois poacher in fact had not exactly been a model in youth so the people of Gescheit said in school he had always been one of the brightest scholars afterwards he had learned his father's trade and had gone on his journeyman wanderings finally returning to the village instead of wearing a black hat as befits a tradesman and as his father had done all his life he put on a green one decorated it with all the feathers obtainable and strutted around in the very shortest homespun coat to be found in all the valley whereas his father always had worn a coat of dark even black cloth with very long tails to indicate his station as tradesman the young shoemaker was to be seen on all dancing floors and bowling alleys whenever anyone gave him a piece of good advice he merely whistled he attended all shooting matches in the neighborhood with his target rifle and often brought back a prize which he considered a great victory the prize generally consisted of coins artistically set to win them he frequently had to spend more coins of the same value than the prize was worth especially as he was very generous with his money he also participated in all the chases of the surrounding country and won a name as a marksman sometimes however he issued alone with his double-barreled gun and climbing irons and once it is said returned with an ugly wound in his head 
in millsdorf there lived a dyer who carried on a very notable industry his works lay right at the entrance of the town at the side toward gescheit he employed many people and even worked with machines which was an unheard-of thing in the valley besides he did extensive farming the shoemaker frequently crossed the mountain to win the daughter of this wealthy dyer because of her beauty but also because of her modesty and domesticity she was praised far and near nevertheless the shoemaker it is said attracted her attention the dyer did not permit him to enter his house and whereas his beautiful daughter had even before that never attended public places and merry-makings and was rarely to be seen outside the house of her parents now she became even more retiring in her habits and was to be seen only in church in her garden or at home some time after the death of his parents by which the paternal house which he inhabited all alone became his the shoemaker became an altogether different man boisterous as he had been before he now sat in his shop and hammered away day and night boastingly he set a prize on it that there was no one who could make better shoes and footgear he took none but the best workmen and kept after them when they worked in order that they should do as he told them and really he accomplished his desire so that not only the whole village of gescheit which for the most part had got its shoes from neighboring valleys had their work done by him but the whole valley also and finally he had some customers even from millsdorf and other valleys even down into the plains his fame spread so that a good many who intended to climb in the mountains had their shoes made by him for that purpose he ordered his house very neatly and in his shop the shoes lace boots and high boots shone upon their several shelves and when on sundays the whole population of the valley came into the village gathering under the four linden trees of the square people liked to go over to the shoemaker's shop and look through the panes to watch the customers on account of the love he bore to the mountains even now he devoted his best endeavor to the making of mountain lace shoes in the inn he used to say that there was no one who could show him any one else's mountain boots that could compare with his own they don't know he was accustomed to add and they have never learned it in all their life how such a shoe is to be made so that the firmament of the nails shall fit well on the soles and contain the proper amount of iron so as to render the shoe hard on the outside so that no flint however sharp can be felt through and so that on its inside fits the foot as snug and soft as a glove the shoemaker had a large ledger made for himself in which he entered all goods he had manufactured adding the names of those who had furnished the materials and of those who had bought the finished goods together with a brief remark about the quality of the product footgear of the same kind bore their continuous numbers and the book lay in the large drawer of his shop even if the beautiful daughter of the millsdorf dyer did not take a step outside her parents home 
and even though she visited neither friends nor relatives yet the shoemaker of gescheit knew how to arrange it so that she saw him from afar when she walked to church when she was in her garden and when she looked out upon the meadows from the windows of her room on account of this unceasing spying the dyer's wife by dint of her long and persevering prayers had brought it about that her obstinate husband yielded and that the shoemaker as he had in fact become a better man led the beautiful and wealthy millsdorf girl home to gescheit as his wife however the dyer was a man who meant to have his own way the right sort of man he said ought to ply his trade in a manner to prosper and ought therefore to be able to maintain his wife children himself and his servants to keep house and home in good condition and yet save a goodly amount which savings were after all the main aids to honour and dignity in the world therefore he said his daughter would receive nothing from home but an excellent outfit all else it was and remained the duty of the husband to provide the dyeing works in millsdorf and the farming he carried on were a dignified and honourable business by themselves which had to exist for their own sake all property belonging to them had to serve as capital for which reason he would not give away any part of them but when he the dyer and his wife were deceased then both the dye works and the farm in millsdorf would fall to their only daughter the shoemaker's wife in gescheit and she and her husband could do with the property what they pleased they would inherit it however only if worthy of inheriting it if unworthy it would go to their children and if there were none to other relatives with the exception of the lawful portion neither did the shoemaker demand anything but proudly gave the dyer to understand that he had cared but for his beautiful daughter and that he was able to maintain her as she had been maintained at home and when she was his wife he gave her clothes not only finer than those the women of gescheit and the gescheit valley owned but also than she had ever worn at home and as to food and drink he insisted on having it better and her treatment more considerate than she had enjoyed in her own father's house moreover in order to show his independence of his father-in-law he bought more and more ground with his savings so that he came to own a goodly property End of section two.